Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, I hope that you had a good Christmas. Uh, I am well aware that the uh, kind of hangover of the Christmas season is upon us, so now it's like all this buildup and craziness, and, and then it's over. It's over. <laughs> For some of you, that's a sigh of relief, and you're just so excited, and now that you can, you just get this all over, and, and for some of you, it's just like there's an instant depression that settles into your heart as you take down the decorations and all the thing. I thought that it's got to be another year, and you put away all the things that at some points just bring you false hope for a different kind of season. Uh, for some of you, you're just glad that everybody's out of your house now, all right? You're just, just get out, all right? Give me space, all right? Let me breathe. Uh, for others of you, it's sad to watch them leave, and you've had some, some hard goodbyes. Um, and I'm well aware that we're all in the, across the, the gamut today. Um, but for most of us, we probably had a little bit more sleep, um, but we, for, for whatever reason, we feel really tired. Um, at least that's where I land uh, this morning. So we're in our last week of a series that we've been doing now for through the course of December. This is a series called Carols. Uh, it's from Life Church, but we kind of put our own spin on it. And the reason is uh, we're trying to take some things that have been kind of placed in nostalgia, these Christmas carols, and we're trying to pull them out of nostalgia and bring them back into meaning, we're trying to bring them back to significance so that when these songs are heard or when we hear them sung or we hear them on the radio, it doesn't stay in this place of well, just warm and fuzzy, but actually pulls into a place of of giving us more meaning and understanding and, and really bringing something back to the roots of what Christmas is really supposed to be all about. And so this is the fourth week. I encourage you, you can go back and look uh, at kingswaymo.info at some of the other things that we've talked about, the other songs that we've discussed. Um, but today's song is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I promise from the beginning I'm not going to sing. So you guys are, it's good. I'm going to keep my song. And it's been fun for me each week. I've kind of dove in and tried to figure out a little bit about where this song came from, why we still sing it, why it's popular uh, still to today. Um, and I want to just give you some background. This is actually one of the oldest hymns or one of the oldest Christmas carols out there. Um, one of the first uh, things that we have recorded is actually in the 8th century. This was a Vespers prayer. Uh, the lyrics themselves, they had roots all the way back to the 8th century. So it's kind of cool to think that the words that we're singing in the song are uh, over 1,200 years old. And that, that itself is like, whoo. Now, it, it was originally written, of course, in, in a different language. Uh, the roots of that are crazy. Could have been German, could have been Latin, could have been French. Uh, but it definitely has a, a very old, old history. Now, it was pulled into the more modern English version uh, in the mid-1800s. Uh, and it was kind of one of those moments where I think it was similar to what we're doing here, where John Mason Neal saw these lyrics, this, this absolute beautiful imagery that was painted in this piece of literature, and he dusted it off and said, why has this been around? Let's put it to some modern music. Let's pull it into some more significance so that it could stick even better. And so he brought it into the English language and it became kind of this version that we have now. Now, originally it had seven verses. It was a dueling kind of quarrel uh, between two choirs that would sing one line and the other. And it kind of had more of like a, uh, some say like a carol of the bells kind of rhythm, like kind of more intense, you know, kind of fight, you know, and we sing it more like a, a homage now. But it, it's, it's got this neat history. And when I'm reading that, I just love that thought that this is something that multiple times through its history, it's, it's been sung because the meaning behind the words is significant. And that the people that have repeated it and said it for all those years have even tried to do what we're doing now and, and bring it back 
to the, to the place of, of just not leaving it as history or heritage, but actually bringing it into meaning and out of nostalgia. So this morning, I just want to take just a, a few lines, and actually, we're just going to hang on one word truly today. Uh, but I want to tell you that this opening kind of verse here is kind of significant in where we were going to take off. And it says this, O Como come Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Now, when you, when you hear it like that, it's a little less, you know, musical. But it also, it kind of re- reveals a little bit of where this is coming from. And it's cool because this is actually coming from Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is where this imagery is coming from. Uh, Isaiah is a prophet. He's prophesying about how God is going to do something in the future through Israel to rescue all the nations of the world. And so he prophesies this, and this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Oh my gosh, my shoe's broken. Woo, I just broke my shoe. I'm going to preach out my shoes today. You're in luck, all right? Woo. Here we go, ADD, we're back. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, all right? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Now what's so curious about this, if you guys are spelling people or your attention to details, is you'll notice this. Uh, Emmanuel is spelled with an E in the song, but it's spelled with an I here. So it must be two different people, right? You ever noticed that before? Some of you might have read, and you're like, what in the world are we talking about here? (laughs) All right? Now, what's cool about that is it's actually the same word. Um, The word, when it's translated I, Emmanuel, it it comes from the root word that is Hebrew. Uh, But when you read it and it's, it's translated with an E as the first letter, it's actually translated from the root word of Greek. And so those translations lead to different usages of our phonics. And English always makes sense, so it would make sense that we'd say the same word twice, differently, with different letters, for different things. It's just crazy how you read that, and you're like, wait, why? That? But Emmanuel in both cases means this, God with us. God with us. God with us. And if I can just tell you, if I can rescue and bring back out of nostalgia one part of this song, it would be that repetitious word that we hear, that one word that is just brought back, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Not just God, but God in presence. God in his current presence with us. Here. God, not only real, authentic, powerful, full of grace and truth, not only the true God, but also here with us. As we talk about this today, I hope that's something that you ponder, that you recognize that you need especially going into a time of reflection that most of the time the turning of the calendar for whatever reason is just another day, but it brings us to thoughts, goals, expectations, hopes, sometimes sorrow, disappointment, heartache. 
That as you're looking and you're on the cusp of a new year, that you would think, what do I need to do this year? What needs to change? That maybe it's as simple as a word. It's as simple as someone's presence that would be with you in the coming year. What's crazy is when uh, Matthew goes to tell the story of Christmas, he kind of skips over a lot of some of the things that we would say are really significant. He starts with a long line of genealogies in Matthew chapter 1. If you ever want to just read the Bible and go, what are we talking about? <laughs> just go read Matthew chapter 1. And, but the, the genealogies are not something to really laugh about because when you start studying, you start going, wow, significant. God uses all kinds of people, all different genders, all different backgrounds, all different economic states to bring about an incredible change in Savior of the world, which is powerful when you understand that. But then we get this. It's kind of the centerpiece of when the, the story changes to who this Savior is really going to be and who who God chooses to use to bring about this change. You would think he would use a person that knows a lot about God. And you would think that he would use somebody that use this gift from God in a powerful way. But instead, he chooses to use a woman who's young and is seen as more of property than a person and whose political power is smaller and who is positioned to do nothing to leverage truly this gift that's been given. So here's what Matthew says. She will give birth to a son, this Mary, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from the sins. That's the truth. You remember we talked about that last week. That's the truth. And all this took place, for Ward had said through the prophet. Woo! Remember that part? The virgin will conceive and give him and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think it's curious that the first thing that Matthew wants to make sure that you and I know is this is not a God that comes just to show off. This is a God that comes to be with us. This is a God that comes not to just set things right and to stand back, but to stand with us and to be with us in the process in the process. He's not afraid of our sin. He's not afraid of our brokenness. He just wants to be with us. So as we go into 2019, this is just going to be a simple, simple thing. But I want to give you three thoughts, maybe three postures, if that's how you want to see it. Maybe three dominant things that you can be processing through as you're thinking about 2019, maybe beyond, as you're reflecting on 2018. Some of the things that have happened and gone on. I want you to think about Emmanuel, God with us, and three different lights. The first one is this. God is with you. 
Uh, God is, is with you uh, right now. And, and at first, that seems totally repetitive. You're like, you've already told us that. Yeah, but here's the thing. For most of us, let's just be honest, maybe, maybe it's not as high as I think. Look, the last week didn't go like we wanted. The one kid opened the present and he went, ugh, and threw it, all right? The relatives showed up and you were hoping they wouldn't argue, but the first thing out the mouth, and you were like, here we go, get the boxing gloves, <laughs> all right? So-and-so didn't show up. You told the kids, you told the family they were coming, and they didn't. So-and-so couldn't show up. You wish they would come, you wish they could come back and be there, but they're not able to be. And so-and-so couldn't get together this year. And all those expectations and hopes and longings for for this last week just ended up feeling like a ball of And you wish it could have been different. And it fractured a little bit of your soul. And I'm not just talking about this last week. I'm talking about this last year. I'm talking about all the little things that have happened. And it makes you doubt this. It really does. It makes you doubt that this is truly what's going on. That, 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 that God is really here. That he could possibly be here with you. But he is. He is. I love the words that Luke records that are a little bit more detailed of the thing that Matthew talked about. You know, Matthew gives us like the overarching 10,000 foot view and Luke just kind of wants to know the gritty details. And so the conversation between the angel and Mary when she's learning the news that God has chosen her to do this. And this is what the angel says to her. I, I find this curious that this would be his encouraging thing. Hey, you're going to be publicly ridiculed. They're going to look down on you. They're going to say, you, how could it possibly? You cannot get pregnant, Mary, without certain things. All right? Public disgrace. You will probably walk the streets and be homeless. You will be dishonored and shamed. There is no way anyone else will take you. Think of all the thoughts that are creeping in. All her dreams and hopes hang in the balance of what she wanted. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! I always love that. You are highly favored. Okay. Before he even tells her the news, to prepare her for what she's going to learn, he says, the Lord is with you. I just want to remind you this. <laughs> before, before things get crazy, before I tell you what's about to happen, before I announce that the Savior that has been told about since 740 B.C., since this passage in Isaiah has been taught and spoke about. I want you to be, just remember, the Lord is with you. For some of you, you just need to be reminded 
You just need to be reminded he is with you. Though your circumstances are difficult, though the, the barriers and what seems like the burdens that are all around you, he is with you. He does not stand at a distance, but offers his presence. He's with you. What if 2019... You just believed it. The second one, posture, big idea, thought. So we're reflecting and looking forward towards 2019 and 2018. Is God was with you? Oh, right? How many of you just want to do over on 2018? Anybody? Just a do over? Yeah, nobody wants to raise their hand because they're like, I don't want to admit it. <laughs> you know how many did one of these? Yes, yes. Just one do over. How many want a decade over? I'm about tripped and killed myself. Just a decade, right? Just like, hey, can I have a nice decade? <laughs> like, it seems like we have a lot of people with birthdays in December, and I'm so sad for that. That's so sad. that's hard because you got to you know you got to do that, and then you got to act joyful, and it just it just steals all the joy of those moments. But right, you, you, whenever you turn that age, just think ten years younger. What if you could just have that back, right? I think when life gets difficult or life seems to have disappointments or hardships, and I'm not trying to just hang there, I just, I just want to be honest about the whole holiday hubbub, you know, like I think we have this, this nostalgia that's from our childhood that the, the holidays are going to be some special time that are going to do incredible things to bring everybody together, but really it's just another day in the calendar. Uh, really it's just a, it's a campaign of stuff to make you feel better most of the time. And stuff doesn't repair relationships. If stuff doesn't heal the wounds of the past. Stuff doesn't make heartache and pain go away for long. And so what ends up happening is you, you numb yourself or you distract yourself or you make yourself feel better in the moment because you can't deal with looking back. I think it's really important sometimes that though I came through this difficult thing, though this did happen, though this was tragic, though this was hard, though this was painful, though this was not my want or desire, no, this was a poor choice, an unwise decision on my behalf. God was with me. He did not leave me. Though I lay in my poor decisions or the rubble of someone else's, God did not choose to leave me there but was with me me there there's no better way to see this than in Genesis when Joseph is going through this horrible set of events right he's a little arrogant as a child and he makes some remarks to his older brother about how he's going to rule over them and they're going to call him kind of king and you know older brothers love that type of stuff so they decide we're going to kill him but then they kind of go I don't know if we should kill him let's make some money so they sell him to slavery they take him to Egypt in Egypt he does everything he possibly can to better his situation but through a crazy set of events ends up getting thrown in prison and over the course of years he's abused thrown imprisoned forgotten neglected abandoned tortured hurt by even the people closest to him but right in the middle of the story i always think it's it's 
curious that these types of lines appear. This is not the only place that this line appears, but it's right in the middle where like kind of the worst of the worst is happening. You know, he got to Egypt, he rose to prominence in this high up official's house. He has a position of kind of influence and power. He's kind of, and this is what happens. And so Joseph's masters took him and put him in prison. And the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now we just read that and we're like, oh yeah, that's like a hole in the ground with like one place to look out of. This is a horrible place. The dungeon of dungeons. But while Jesus was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. See, it's was because the end of the story is in this story. So if you skip to the end, it's easy to go, oh yeah, I see it. I see it because at the end he gets out. At the end he's second high in command in Egypt. At the end he has a position to restore his family, to save his nation and the world from famine. I I see it. Yeah, God was with him, right? Yeah. But at this point he's in a hole in the ground. Things aren't going well. Nobody's like, good job, buddy. God's with you. I can see it. No, he's like, what? Because the next line's this. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the what? The prison warden! Wouldn't it be better if it's like in the king, in the girl he loved? <laughs> like, you know, like let's just make that a little cleaner. But no, it's, it's he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He's falsely accused in prison. I wish this didn't translate so well to my life. I wish when I read this, it didn't make sense to me. That so many things are not fully seen until they're fully seen. So many things aren't fully understood until they're fully understood. And I wish I had the view to see from one side of the story to the end, to be able to see the full mosaic of all our stories and how they intertwine and all our decisions and all the the vast, amazing thing that God is up to and all that. But a lot of times I just feel like I'm in a hole. And I know you do too. I know you do too. And what little light you have and what little provisions and happiness that you can claim and the joy that you say is supposed to be overflowing is just doesn't seem really there. I'll just tell you. Jesus was with you in that pain. He was with you. He was with you in that brokenness. He was with you in 2018. He's been with you this whole time. And though you may not see yet the full end of the picture, one day you'll be able to read something like this in your life. If you remain faithful and trust that he is, you will will read this and be reminded of the, the kindness and the goodness that God showed you. Even in the midst of horrible sin, God is with you. And he was with you. And the last one that we're going to talk about today, a posture maybe going into 2019 or reflecting 2018, is God will be with you. We all have hopes and dreams and desires to see things get better. We all want things to, 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 to be just a little different and I've mentioned this before in the stage, we all have our ideas of what idealism is, right? Like if, if we each just lined up and we all just talked about what we thought like the perfect world would look like, we would break our own pictures of perfect. <laughs> we just would. We wouldn't be able to agree. 
But we have one who has the perfect picture, the perfect idea, who can restore and bring all things together, and who will be with us to see that come. Your dreams for 2019, your hopes for 2019, the things that you hope will change, that you, you would even find the discipline inside yourself to do something different, to claim this new life, this full life in Christ, and to see yourself sanctified, made new. Not to place finish lines in front of yourself, but to fuel, to pursue full life in Christ. God will be with you. A lot of us have anxiety for 2019. There's things that are unknown. Diagnoses that haven't come fully back. Financial pictures that are in rubble or in decay or broken. Relationships, divorce, marriages on the rocks, sibling rivalries, parent-child relationships that are broken, friendships that have been torn apart and you've watched decay and you hope but you're not sure of what, what is in store for 2019. I want you to know God will be with you. I can't promise you that all pain will be removed. I can't promise you that you will not live in the fruit of your decisions because you will. Every person lives in the fruit of their decisions. Better decisions leads to better fruit, but crops do not come up overnight. Sometimes you yield past decisions fruit, but you are covered in grace. God will be with you as you upheeled those old crops and plant new ones, as you tear down the brokenness that was placed in as you set boundaries and desire trust to be restored, but forgiveness offered, but trust not fully claimed until restoration is possible. As you set personal goals and allow God to come in and truly claim the idea that a healthy you is the best thing you can offer your family. Truly believe that the best thing you can offer your company, your marriage, and your kids is a healthy you. You would work on that. And that that would be your goal? God will be with you. I see this that Paul is just trying to get this across so much so in, in Romans. He's, he's laying this out in Romans 8. and He's trying to remind us that there's nothing that could possibly come in the future that will destroy this relationship. That, that Emmanuel is true no matter what, even in the future. And he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger of the sword? Word of the sword? <laughs> no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I love that. It's not just a little bit better. We are more than conquerors. We stand above that. Not even close. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Emmanuel, Christ Jesus, our Lord. As you go into 2019, 
and you reflect on maybe the last decade or 2018, I want you to claim, O come, O come, Emmanuel. May your presence flood today. May your presence be fulfilled and revealed in the past and in the future. May I live in that, Christ Jesus. May I live in that in 2019. Full of what you have done and the faithfulness you've revealed. Full of the hope and the absolute assurance of what you will do. But right now, currently living in the confidence of Christ, Emmanuel. I love you to death. And I am so excited for 2019. God is up to good things. And I don't say that because of our community. I say that because of the names of the people in this room and the new faces and the relationships and the hard work that you are doing to work out the aid of grace that you've been given. I will pray and I'll close. God is good and he is here. Pray with me.